0: Well, well, giving away the song was singing for music night. Oh, um, good morning. It's uh, Thursday. Oh, the weather is unbelievable, isn't it? It is so good. So good. That's no good. Oh, hang on a sec. Oh, boysbach. I'm just going to turn the lights off. Oh. I think I may have a, a bit of hay fever or something. Got like itchy throat sometimes and yeah. yes, we're better in it. Oh, wow. Well, happy Thursday, everyone. It's great. don't think you need a weather forecast anymore, is it? Because uh, you can feel it. You can feel how warm it is. Oh, we're going to read for 6. Chapter 6, verse 15. Uh, chapter 9 is a bit. Oh, maybe it's not so ambitious. No. It's all right, like. I just learned a little bit of Persian, Um, a little something, something, something you can say in the warm weather. Um, and it's kebab, kebab shodam, kebab or kebab shodam, which means I'm cooking like a kebab, (laughs) Uh, which is definitely true last night when it was 28 degrees in the church room. Oh my days. Kebab. Yeah, I'm cooking like a kebab. Seven o'clock. Here we go. Six verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace by no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey them as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death. Or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that, though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because we are weak. So I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to every, ever increasing wickedness. So now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you are slaves to sin, you are free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Do you not know brothers for I am speaking to men who know the law, but the law has authority over a man only as long as he lives. For, for example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So then if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress, even though that she marries another man. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies, so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to once, what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what it was to covet if the law had said, do not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from law, uh, sin is dead. Once I was alive apart from law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. But in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good. So that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good as it is. It is no longer I myself who do it, but, sit, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do this. I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of Life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law is powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind set on what the spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace, because the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if the spirit you but if by the spirit you put to death, the misdeeds of the body, you will live because those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose for those God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son that he might be the firstborn from among many brothers and those who predest he predestined he also called those he called he also justified those he justified he also glorified what then shall we say in response to this if God is for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption as sons. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised, amen. It is not as though God's word had failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel, nor because they are his descendants, or they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the natural children who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this is how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return and Sarah will have a son. Not only that, but Rebecca's children had one. uh, And the same father, our father Isaac. Yet, but before the twins were born, who had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger, just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not therefore depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy and he hardens whom he wants to harden. One of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us for who resists his will? But who are you, O man, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to him who formed it? Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for noble purposes and some for common use? What if God, choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory? Even, Even us, whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. As he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people. And I will call her my loved one who is not my loved one. And it will happen that in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people. They will be called sons of the living God. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of the Israelites be like the sand by the sea, only the remnant will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence on earth with speed and finality. It is just as Isaiah said previously, unless the Lord Almighty had left us descendants, we would have become like Sodom and we would have been like Gomorrah. What then shall we say that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it a righteous. Sorry, then what shall we say that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it a righteousness that is by faith. But Israel who pursued a law of righteousness has not attained it. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith. But as if it were by works, they stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written. See, I lay a stone. I see, I lay in Zion a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. The one who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. There we are. Right. Oh, well, yeah, we'll leave it there. So I did do nine. That's great. Um. Some uh, great words at the end of chapter eight, isn't it? About, um. um yeah the help isn't it that we have um in Jesus so yes the question who is he that condemns um and there'll, there'll be lots of thoughts maybe you have today that are condemning thoughts that you'll condemn yourself or you know you your our own hearts and they speak that sort of rubbish to us in light of maybe what we've done in the past or done in the present um but he takes up this isn't it? He who did not spare his only son, but gave him up for us all. How we not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who is it who can condemn us? So it's Jesus. But Jesus isn't in that place of condemnation for us. He's in that place of intercession for us. Yeah. So Jesus is praying for you today. Don't forget that. And don't forget that whatever your calling is today. And however, whatever the obstacles in front of you of maybe what you have got to accomplish or what is going to be asked of you, um, yeah, that that he um, is the one who will graciously give you all that you need today. He will fill you uh, with uh, help today um, as you look to him. So um, say the Lord's prayer before you go out now, and um, yeah, and uh, take care. Look to him, the one who is interceding for you, not in the place of judgment. Um, he took all the judgment for you, uh, but he also then looks at you know as you look at your day and what callings you've got and Things you've got to accomplish, He will graciously give you all things. God bless you. A lot of to see you tomorrow morning. Take care now. Bye.